Welcome to Outdoors. I'm Brian, and this morning I'm excited to have Chris Cusmel, author of Peaks and Coulars of Southwest Montana, a guide to backcountry skiing in the Gallatin, Madison, Bridger, Tobacco Route, and Montana Absorca Mountains. Welcome to the podcast, Chris. Hey, Brian. Uh, thanks for having me. Excited to have a little conversation about the book. Can you tell us about the book? What is it and who is it for? Um, well, I was running the backcountry skiing club at Montana State University where I went to school and I had kind of been shown a few areas by some friends and found some on my own and I'd kind of got to the point where I felt like I knew at least a little bit of the ter local terrain and had started um, kind of helping some of the younger members in the club get out or at least orient themselves and I felt like we were all kind of running into the same blockades you know unplowed for service roads unwilling you know People who were in the know might be unwilling to share some local beta. Um, just a lot of random things that prevented like at least easy access. You know, public land easements that aren't clearly delineated, so you're not sure if you're trespassing or not. And I had kind of started just um, basically a pass around PDF file that I shared with a few members who had ever asked or seemed interested on just some local areas. And as the club got bigger and as more people started to ask, I felt like I should maybe kind of up quality if I wanted to be giving people information on where they might want to go ski. And I had been carrying around a kind of a full frame camera with me the whole time and also a GPS. So I had all these recorded GPS tracks. I had all these full frame photographs of kind of beta images of different ski lines and, you know, pictures of my friends skiing or boot packing up other lines. And so I kind of felt like I had the at least very bare bones start something that could be a book. And I kind of fooled around with the idea of making a book. And then from there, things just kind of catapulted out of control. And after four, almost five years, kind of reined it in and, and narrowed it down into the refined book that you guys see today. Wow. So, so it was really kind of an organic process of, uh, by necessity, on some documentation to share with other folks in the group for, uh, for the information on where, where and when to go skiing. Yeah, I had no intention when I came to Bozeman or even a dream of, of making a guidebook. It totally came out of, uh, yeah, I guess I don't even really know where the drive came from. Um, it just kind of happened and kept going and and then we ended up here. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Can you tell us a little bit about um, who is the book for and what is the kind of the main focus of the book? The book is definitely for everybody at, at the base level. You know, there is skiing for all abilities, but it's definitely catered towards a certain type of backcountry skier. And I would say that's more moderate to advanced or at least fairly experienced skier that really enjoys maybe a longer walk to um, a more rewarding ski or taking them to kind of a place off the beaten path. There isn't really many, you know, quick hits or, um, you know, 15 degree meadow skipping powder venues. It is exactly what it says in the title, um, peaks and coulars, kind of, kind of bigger mountains. And like I said, there are, uh, you know, a number of lines that are completely out of avalanche hazard and lower angle ones, um, or just tree skiing or just, you know, skiing in a powder bowl. But the vast majority of the lines are definitely kind of your big mountain spring objective, um, that you need a lot of training and a lot of preparation and a lot of knowledge to to make that day go go off without a hitch. And I'm really curious, how do you go about selecting what what lines and locations to put in the book? Um, there's so much 
you know, public lands available for skiing in Montana. And so what is the criteria you use? Is it about access? Is it about the history of an area? Um, what, I mean, how do you make those selections? Yeah, that's a really finicky determination. And it was ultimately pretty subjective to what I thought fit the right parameters. Um, you know, I basically delineated the ranges that I want first, um, and then tried to be comprehensive of what I covered in terms of everything that again, fit that same idea that I had for what was kind of a full day of skiing in Southwest Montana. So either it had a lot of history to it. Um, it had really good vertical descent. Um, it was kind of this unique aesthetic couloir. Um, or honestly, in, in a few cases where we needed to geographically round out a range, you know, um, like the Taylor Hill Guard are a really good example of that. There's so much kind of easier access skiing in the Spanish peaks in the northern part of the unit. Um, but the southern part of the unit for the snowmobile skier like myself, um, there's kind of nothing that's really close. And when the Taylor Fork Road gets plowed or melts out in the spring, there are a few longer days. And I think they might be too far for the majority of people, but some of them are really excellent skiing. And I felt in order to be comprehensive of the category of peaks, at least in the Madisons, I had to include some kind of more obscure and far-flung objectives in the Taylor Hill Guard unit. So how long did it take you to, to do the research and, um, and then start putting the book together? And to follow up on that is, and what sort of, or what people did you, kind of meet along the way that helped uh, collect the information for you? Well, again, going back to where the book came out of, you know, kind of being just this organic thing that ended up happening. There is no real start date. I guess I really started putting something down on paper around just over, you know, four years before I came out last February. But before that, I had already skied a lot of the stuff that was going to be included in the book. I already had photographs for a lot of the stuff. I already had GPS lines. So then it became more a process of going back to those same venues over and over again to look for safer or more efficient up tracks or to ski repeated lines like Gallatin Mountain is a really good example um, or Gallatin Peak rather. There are five descents covered in the book and you know there, there have been someone who skied four of them in a day but you know, for most of us normal humans, that's going to require, you know, five or more trips out there to, to make it happen. And then, of course, you've got to climb the adjacent peak to get pictures of the faces that you want to include in the mountain or in the book, rather. You know, when I see a guidebook, I really like to see kind of just really enticing images um, of when a line is in good form. And that requires just going back to surrounding areas to kind of get a good vantage um, for the book. So, and I don't know, I guess you know, the, the four years of making the book plus the years preceding that, that I was unwittingly collecting information that would then go into the book. Wow. Um, in, in terms of who helped me out with the book, there's a long, long list. I became really, really excited by the number of people that were willing to lend their time, lend their name, lend their photography, lend their writing to the book. Um, after just like a phone call from a friend of a friend of a friend, I'd say the most notable contributor is Chris Erickson, and he's the only person who I give uh, byline credit to in the very beginning of the book um, because he offered, you know, kind of an introductory to the entire Absorca range, which he at one point 
um, had started working on a guidebook for, but left when he, or left that idea on the table when he, he moved to France. Um, and he's kind of one of the more original um, ski mountaineers in the area. A lot of people know his names, ice climbs and, and ski descents that have, or his kind of making. Um, so he contributed a lot. Um, some other big names were Matt Shortland. Um, he did a lot of help with the Bridgers, both in photography and lines that he felt should or shouldn't be included. Um, and then connecting me to some more people like Scott Davidson and Travis Anderson. And then there's a bunch of photographers like Jason Thompson, Axel Peterson, Henry Copalillo, Jason Schlutz, Cy Whittling, Charlie McLaughlin, um, and probably at least another dozen other people who either gave photographs, tidbits, essays, um, or even some artwork that went into the book. Excellent. Takes a village, huh? <laughs> it does. It definitely does. So what sort of um, advice or framework would you give to aspirational uh, backcountry skiers or split boarders that, that really want to step it up a notch and start pursuing more bigger objectives like that are in your book? Uh, where should they start and how should they think about their season? I think at the very, very beginning, you should just realize that you need to take your time, that this is definitely a lifelong endeavor. And I think a lot of people, including myself, you know, you're that college age and you're just so amped to get out and push yourself. And you're surrounded by a bunch of other people, especially at a st place like Montana State University, where there is a lot of talented kids who can get out and also get in over their heads. So I think to just kind of slow your roll, um, really think about the consequences of your actions should something poorly, you know, go on, should kind of always be at the forefront of your mind. And and once that is established and you really have that frame of mind, then it's about finding somebody, I think, who, well, it can go two different ways. I think you can find somebody that can mentor you, someone who's a bit older, has some more experience, and that you can basically try to keep up with. Or you can find a handful of friends that you grow with, where you make mistakes together and you're there to support each other and you're there to figure it out and find out the best practices. Um, you know, I'm kind of in this conversation already assuming that anybody who is has this book and is going out and skiing already has a professionally taught avalanche one, um, you know, is already taking some, you know, certified classes for partner rescue and is already kind of like, let's just call that the base layer entry, like the stuff you need to just walk out the door in the morning, you know? So outside of that, then you kind of step into that looking for the mentor role or looking for a group of friends that you can grow with. Um, yeah, for me, I, it was kind of a mix of both. I had one friend in particular here in Bozeman who's a handful of years older than me, and he's just a speed demon. And so just, you know, he never was explicitly telling me what to do, but just the task of trying to keep up with him, faster transitions, you know, seeing how he's analyzing the snow um, w was really, really helpful. And then I also had this other group of friends that was kind of in the same stage that I was, where you're just kind of going out and making mistakes and, and learning from them. and and trying to refine your skills to a point where you feel like you're proficient and, and fast and able to get in and out safely and enjoy yourself and your company of your friends. Is there a, a progression that people should think about in uh, on what routes they choose in the book? Um, things have two different difficulty ratings. So one is kind of a full day, you know, are you traveling through a lot of terrain traps? Um, is it a, just a skin track? Do you also have to boot pack? Are, do you need crampons and ice axes or do you need ice climbing abilities? And some there are, there are ice pitches um, just to get on top of the line. And then there's another rating, which is just 
purely how difficult the ski is. And it only really takes into account the consequences of an uncontrolled fall and, and how steep the terrain is. So you could, you know, I would definitely say someone who has all those base level requirements that we were talking about earlier and is looking to get out, you know, starting with the, the, the ones and twos, the things that are most easily to get to the top of with the least amount of avalanche hazard um, and also kind of have easier skis and just kind of judging yourself with how the tone of the entry looks and feels in the books to how your lived experience was, you know, does it seem like the book made it seem really easy and it was really hard for you? That's kind of probably an indicator to keep staying at that level and progressing up before you kind of step outside that box and, and try to do something with more consequences attached to it. And some of them are just even from an armchair alpinist perspective, the uh, just reading some of these descriptions are just, um, get your <laughs> get you pretty excited with talking about rappels on the route and um, you know pretty exposed just in pretty in incredible aspects yeah I mean some of the lines included in the book like let's say the sphinxster in on, on sphinx mountain in, in the madisons I mean that's only been skied to my knowledge four times since mm -hmm. Chris Erickson first did it in 1999 so there are some things that um, you know aren't even going to be in the year that you're reading the book and some aren't something that you should try until you have five, 10 years of more advanced ski mountaineering under your belt. And the plurality of them though, are things that you could do, you know, a majority of years, but yeah, there is a lot of um, really harebrained skis in there, just like would it be included in kind of a, you know, a fully inclusive ice climbing guide or rock climbing guide. Um, there are a lot of, a lot of gnarly things in there. And I think the descriptions, it's funny, kind of reflect, the years that I was writing it, I, I was constantly going back and adding more and more caution and more and more verbiage around some of these dangers. Um, e each year that I went, I went and, you know, wrote the book. So each year I would go back and rewrite entries and kind of add that more kind of really impress upon the reader that some of these things are really, really ephemeral and won't be ready for you to ski and you won't be ready to ski them for, for quite some time, depending on your situation. Mm -hmm. Kind of giving some of that history of uh, in context for you know how often this is repeated and the conditions that the change um, all of that. Uh, so what uh, kind of building upon that? What what are your your big adventures and plans uh, for this season? Well, after a pretty hazardous snow year in twenty twenty one, I'm pretty excited for the better snow year that we've started to happen. You know we. We just had a week of, of green light conditions in January, which is really unique. And just kind of doing those longer days and highlight where you loop together a bunch of different lines with your friends is kind of my favorite thing to do in the winter. And it kind of gets you ready and trained up for those bigger mountain objectives you might have set for the spring. Mm -hmm. uh, personally, I don't have anything that I'm like really working towards in Montana, but I do have, um, two trips that are in the works for, for the summer. I think I might actually leave my job here come, come April and uh, go on a few, a few extended expeditions um, until August, but we'll kind of see stuff's up in the air. I don't really want to talk about it until things are finalized. Um, it's bad juju, but definitely some, some bigger ideas in the works for the summer. So in the, in the meantime, just about getting a lot of laps and 
uh, just exploring some familiar romps that you really enjoy the conditions in. Totally. I love repeating myself. I love going back and skiing the same thing where you have that really intimate connection. You know exactly what tree to dodge on the exit and what bump to watch out for and what spot might be kind of thin. And just getting outside in the cold with friends and seeing smiling faces. I mean, I'm just really relishing the, the days in highlight recently. And I think that's probably what I'll keep doing for the next month or so until hopefully some of the other stuff starts to fill in. Nice. Yeah, the snow's really good here. You don't have to go too far. Exactly. Yeah, that's the beauty of Bozeman. So, Chris, where can people uh, find your book? Well, there are a number of places. The first place is my own website, which is skiingmontana.org. Um, and then there's 15 retail locations scattered out the West, with the majority of them being in Montana. Um, a lot of them are pretty small shops and they're kind of either chronically out of stock or forget to reorder. But some of the ones that always have books are Uphill Pursuits here in Bozeman, REI, Spire, PhD Skis, Second Wind Sports, Vargos, um, Grizzly Outfitters, Sylvan Mountain Shop, which is in Red Lodge, Skimoco, which is in Salt Lake City, Cripple Creek, their flag flagship store in Carbondale, Colorado. Um, and then I also have one other online store, which is hosted by Big Sky Mountain Products. They're Bozeman's local skin makers, best skins in the business. Um, they don't have a store venue, but they do have an awesome website, and you can, you can buy the book there as well. Excellent. Well, is there anything you want to add at this point? Um, I don't, I've just been really excited by the reception of the book. It was something that I was really nervous to put out there. There are... Montana kind of has a pretty, um, I don't know, pretty loud, no published epic, or, or we say there is, and there isn't really, you know, there are dozens of rock climbing guides and ice climbing guides and mountain biking guides and hiking guides and fly fishing guides, but there haven't been very many backcountry skiing guides. Um, and so I was really, really concerned um, about if I was breaking a longstanding, I don't know, tradition uh, when I released the book and there were some people that definitely weren't too excited about it and I think since the book has come out the reaction has been wholly unexpected as, as pretty welcome and I've been really excited about that so I guess just a big thank you to everybody who's picked up a copy or at least flipped through it and, and felt like it's added to the Bozeman skiing community more than it detracts in terms of adding adding more skiing pressure. Excellent. Well, thanks for being on the podcast, Chris, and wish you the best of luck and hope you have a, a really awesome and safe uh, ski, ski season. Yeah, Brian, thanks for having me. It was really fun to talk and I hope you have the same. We'll have to actually get out and ski together sometime. Right on. Sounds good.